Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Ian Unsworth and Gil Gross here with you this Saturday morning. And a special guest, associate editor of Orange Fizz and also the host of the Locked on Syracuse podcast, Tyler Aki is here with us. Tyler, how are you doing, man? I'm good, guys. Glad to be back here on Fizz Radio. Had a lot of good times on Fizz Radio back in the day, and I'm glad to be back. Good to hear. So, Tyler, before we get into the Orange Fizz Top 100, we were just talking about Jim Beheim and the beginning of the college basketball season. So, Beheim thinks that it should start when Syracuse students leave for Thanksgiving break. Are you with him? I'm 1,000% with him on that because I think that is the best way to achieve this quasi-bubble that you're seeing have a lot of success so far with the NBA, with MLS, with the NWSL, with um, the NHL, which is supposed to start up in a little bit too. So I think when you see the success there, this is the closest way to replicate that. Now, I think this also does air closer on the side of what baseball's doing as opposed to these bubble situations that you're seeing in a number of these other leagues. But, and we have seen some hiccups so far with baseball. I mean, even we're, we're recording this on Thursday. It's supposed to be opening day today and Juan Soto's out the, the prize star for the Washington nationals. So when I see that, it, it gives me a little bit of pause as to how well it'll work, but I do think this is the best possible way to try to get college basketball going. I, I 100% agree with Bayheim. Well, it's one of those things. We've talked about two, I guess, uh, COVID-19 policy, you know, sports policies already. Mm-hmm. One is the conference games only or the five-game home-and-home. Home. Then we talked about delaying the college basketball season. And in both cases, I'm actually struggling to comprehend how we are reducing the risk of the virus spreading through these policies. Yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to to get. And I I'm with you because I think the only way that you really regionalize it is that that's the only way to do it is if you do set, okay, Syracuse, like you'd have to scrap the ACC. The eight, and I mean, you'd have to scrap pretty much every single conference, but everyone would have to get together and say, all right, this is the only way we can get this thing going this year. Syracuse, you're going to play Pitt. You're going to play Boston college. You're going to play Buffalo. You're going to play um, Rutgers. You're going to play Maryland. That's it. And you're going to do home and homes with those five schools. And you're not and getting on a plane? I, I think bus rides would be the best way right. to do it. You're there, you're back, and you're moving. You don't have to, to hotel it for a night. And I think yes. once you, you want to eliminate as many external factors as possible, and I think bus trips are the best way to do that. Now, it's going to take a lot of buy-in to tell, tell a team, okay, yeah, you're, you're going to have to sit on a bus for six, maybe seven hours and uh, I mean, you're going to have to kind of power through it and you'd have to be playing a lot of night games, I think. And again, it'd be tough too to try to materialize all this, the logistics of getting a football team from point A to point B and you're getting off the, the bus and pretty much having to play a football game. I mean, it's kind of like high school football all over again. Now high school football doesn't have the six hour bus ride. So you're probably going to have to lodge at some places but you want to minimize that as much as possible. And I think, Gil, you mentioned this earlier. I was thinking about it during the break. It, I definitely think that these guys will buy in, Tyler, that guys who are looking towards the NFL draft will say, all right, I'm going to sacrifice my time for this bus ride to go play these games because scouts need to see my film. Same thing with basketball. 
guys need to get the film, need to get the attention so they can promote themselves at the pro level. I think that's true. Yes. You know, a guy like Trill Williams, who is probably in a, a solid position to be an NFL draft pick this upcoming year, but maybe needs to get a little more out on his tape to convince these NFL scouts. Yes, he definitely needs it. But what happens when the, the 95th guy on the roster says, you know what? I don't care. I'd rather have a good time with my friends tonight than because I'm not going to get drafted. So what does it matter to me? that's where you run into that problem. And it's going to take total team buy-in. And I mean, Ian, Gil, you've, you're, you've both been on college campuses. It's t- if someone told you, listen, for the betterment of whatever program, for the betterment of Fizz Radio, you have to not go out from the second you step on campus until winter break. Well, no, so I disagree with you. You disagree? You say, yeah, yeah. You say it's a tough ass. No, I disagree. And I don't look at the, the spring football positive cases as any kind of indication of what things are going to be like during the school year. Neither do I, no. Clemson, it, Clemson is not about to play anyone. So it's a completely different mindset when it comes to the players. I really think that if you're the backup long snapper, you are going to be concerned about possibly being case zero, getting the entire team infected, which includes Trill Williams. And uh, I, I do think, especially in basketball, where it's a tighter-knit group, that you are going to have good behavior on the part of the players. Yeah, I think basketball is definitely a lot easier, but you'll still see some teams check out from time to time. Football, I mean, you're trying to manage a roster of almost 100 guys. If you're trying to manage – and, I mean, we've heard it in the past. I remember Kendall Coleman saying last year how there were guys who weren't totally bought in. If you're not bought in to play a a football season, and then this year you have to battle with all these external things on top of that too – and I mean, the last year, even if you weren't, if even if you were bought in, you could still go out on the weekends or, or whatever, hang out with your friends and stuff. This, you're asking them to pretty much anyone who's not on the football team, you cannot have contact with. That's essentially what you're asking out of these people. Ryan Alexander didn't buy in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, he did not. <laughs> well, it's tough as well because you've got. Gus didn't block. That that is also true. It's tough because you've got the players, and then as well the coaches, student trainers, managers. There's just so many external yeah. factors besides the players themselves that go into this football season, and we could all see it fall apart like that. A student manager gets the coronavirus, and all the players still have to go into quarantine. Yeah, I think I actually heard this on an interview earlier today with John Lester, Cubs pitcher. How you basically, too, just because someone gets it doesn't necessarily mean they're being irresponsible. I do think we have to take away the stigma of that. I mean, if Dino Babers goes to a grocery store, there's a chance he can come down with it and infect his players, infect his staff, all that. So I, I do think you do have to take the stigma out of it in the fact that just because you do come down with it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. I mean, Juan Soto. There's, we don't know what he did. He may have done nothing wrong. So that's, that's the battle you're, you're working with here. Absolutely. Ian Unsworth and Gil Gross here on Fizz Radio talking with associate editor Tyler Aki. And Tyler, let's move on to this top 100 series we've got going here on orangefizz.net. Keep in mind, you can also check out the articles on Orange Fizz at, on Twitter. And so Tyler... Top 100, we've gotten through 20 athletes so far. Are there any that stand out immediately that are too high, too low, misrepresented? 
Uh, can you give me a name? Yes. All right. We'll start with the guy who I think is ranked too high. And by too high, I mean, I think he's too close to number one on the list. And that's Malachi Richardson, who's sitting right on that fringe of the, the 80 spot. He's at 81st on these rankings. And while Malachi Richardson had a phenomenal run in the NCAA tournament, he was also a guy who at times, I mean, we saw him go 0 for 11, I believe it was, against St. John's from three. That's, that's something that I – and he had a great run in the tournament, no doubt. It got him drafted, made him a lottery pick. But when I see Wesley Johnson, who was a consensus All-American sitting at 89, and he was a – I believe he was a higher draft pick than what Malachi was Fourth back overall. in 2011. Right, yeah, exactly. So when I see that, I think, okay, the, <laughs> there's something off there. I think – I definitely think that – when you look at a guy like Wesley Johnson, he, he shouldn't even be – we shouldn't be talking about him today. I mean, that's a guy who's probably more like top 50 all-time in Syracuse. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's a top 15 guy in the sport per the writers when you say consensus All-American. So I, I see Wesley Johnson and I say, all right, he's got to be way, way higher on this list because having him at 89, that's, that's a slight to me. Totally agree with you. And in, uh, in Wesley Johnson's blurb, it says, well, he would have rate ranked higher uh, had he not been a one-and-done. Wesley Johnson is the kind of one-and-done that you have to forgive. He went yes, to the NBA. He was the fourth, was overall, the fourth pick. overall pick. And then he was a good NBA player. Malachi Richardson is a totally different story. He right. didn't make it in the NBA. He left he and didn't make the it lottery. in the NBA. Yes. Yep. That's when he's, you can hold it against a player. Exactly. He's now traveling around Europe going sort of year to year from team to team. And while I personally may remember Wesley Johnson for getting his ankles broken by James Harden, <laughs> he still had a long pro career. And also he's just like, he's the type of player that I look at and say, he's fundamentally solid. I never have to look at Wesley Johnson like, oh, he's taken too many bad shots. And with Malachi Richardson, there were just those games where I just – I wanted to pull my hair out. It was so tough to watch. Well, yeah, this gets I mean, to an important question. Tyler, like how did you how did you weigh the Syracuse career and the post-Syracuse career when you were ranking your players? 1000% only put it on what they did at Syracuse. I, I don't care about their pro careers one bit. I care about what you did at Syracuse, the winning you did at Syracuse, and the impact you had on Syracuse. And that's why I'm just going to come out right now and say my number one guy on this list is probably not the same number one guy that a lot of people had. Most people had Jim Brown, and I totally get that. But I have Jim Beheim as my number one on this list because, sure, he wasn't the greatest of players at Syracuse. Again, he was a walk-on who, who earned his way onto the roster. But without Jim Beheim, this list doesn't exist. Orange Fizz does not exist because Jim Beheim turned this school – got it into a conference in the Big East, turned it into a big-time athletics program. I'm looking at a map right now, right inside my room. There's Syracuse is one of the cities that's highlighted on there. The only reason that city is highlighted there is because of Jim Beheim. So without Jim Beheim, we're not even having this discussion. We're not talking about this list. There may not be any 1260 to score right now without Jim Beheim. I mean, we are just, we are on different planets, Tyler, just different planets. First of all, I heavily weighted post 
Syracuse accomplishments because I feel okay. like that if you're going to rank the top 100 athletes that ever went to Syracuse to me that's like I, what you do after Syracuse you are still a Syracuse athlete and that is part of okay. your legacy and you're that's representing fair. the orange you're representing the orange even after you leave that's so fair. yeah that's that's how I look at it what well, then I think Jim if, if that's the case then Jim Beheim is definitely number one well let, well then let, let me get to this it's top 100 athletes not the top 100 most influential people or figures or it's none of that it's athletes but without you got to take it more literally none of these athletes are probably coming to syracuse no i I don't i don't i don't see any that are on this list but i mean you're looking at 60 to 70 guys on this list that are not maybe even more that was a super conservative number it's probably closer to 70 to 80 guys on this list that do not have a career at syracuse I don't know. I mean, we don't, we don't, there's no athletic directors on the list. There's no, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, I took Jim it literally. Jim got athletes. this team to, got this entire athletics program to be where it is today. As a coach, it's not an athlete. The top 100 athletes list. Ian? But if he doesn't, if he doesn't work his way onto that Syracuse roster, then none of this legacy exists. It, it's really tough, guys. I'm, I'm glad you, you went at each other, and I, I will fully – well, actually, I'm going gonna, gonna to split it 50-50. I, well, first of all, some of these – we have to keep in mind, some of these names, uh, I guess, lower down on this list, they don't have much of a professional career. Maybe the – like, women's lacrosse is not exactly a sport where there's a really noticeable pro league. Even men's lacrosse. A guy like Joel White at number 83, he's playing in the Premier Lacrosse League right now with the Chrome Lacrosse Club, but is, do we really know that much about what's going on? Like the, the average person no. doesn't really know much about what's going on yeah. in the Premier Lacrosse League. So I, there's, I think it's a bit of both. And I'll actually go off of that as well. You look at someone like Emily Harris, Chuck, too. I mean, she's one of the most dominant women's lacrosse players this program's ever had and was on her way to potentially win the Tourton this past season and is luckily going to be getting that season back. But, again, what's, what's the ceiling of what she does next? And that's why I mostly kept it into what players did at Syracuse, and I had Emily Harris Chuck a lot higher on my personal list than 84. That's all we have uh, with Tyler Aki, associate editor of Orange Fizz and host of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tyler, thank you for joining us today. No problem, guys. Glad to be with you. And we'll be back with Fizz Feedback here on The Score 1260.